praise God. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to go back to the beginning. John 3.16, verse 16 through 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. There's that word everlasting life again. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And that's the essence of the Great Commission. Go in the world, make disciples, followers of Christ. And to do this, we must be taught. We must be encouraged. We must be edified. We must love each other. The perfect will of the Father is seen in the Son. We know this. We've heard this many times before. Yet some do not see it as God intended it. God's perfect will was always the same from the beginning of the book to the end of the book. Genesis, we see God's will when he tells Cain, you need to overcome this. Sin knocks at the door. And we've also defined sin a little differently than usual because smart and just fulfilling the lust of the flesh, it's it's doing things, thinking a way that is lesser than God intended. If, if, if we thought like God, we would understand his way of doing things. We would walk in his ways. So we see Jesus walking this out in his ministry. And, and what God instructed me to do was to see it as events, not stories. Stories is seen from a distance. Sometimes stories can be fake, made up, but we are talking about actual real life events that took place in the life of Jesus Christ. Jesus, the anointed one. Yes, the man that came from Nazareth. Through him, we see God's perfect will. It was God's perfect will to stop at the well. It was God's perfect will to defend a woman who was found in adultery. Now, I'm not condoning sin, and I don't want sin in our lives, because sin thinks less than God intended. Sin thinks less than God intended. From the beginning, God wanted us to think like him. We see the evidence of that when the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit was together, just like they say they are in John 17. We can see this in Genesis. Let's make man in our image. You notice together, he said our image. So that should not be something we battle with as Christians, as follower of Christ. It's something that God wanted 
ordained. Scripture tells us that we were predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. And just a side note, when it says only begotten son, he's speaking to the unsaved. Because it is God's will for us to be sons and daughters. And we need to see God as father. If we don't, we need to get in his word and find out for ourselves. And this is eternal life. We see eternal life throughout scripture now. Eternal life. It's not the fountain of youth, even though you can be connected to the vine a little bit. Right? Everlasting life, Jesus defines as to know the one and only true God in his son. His son is the way to the father. The son is the only way to the father. I'm speaking first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. Because in the spiritual realm, if we take off the fleshly eyes and the eyes that come from the flesh, where we're looking at the fleshly things, no, the worldly things, no, we're going to look at it through spiritual eyes. There is no Jew or Gentile in the spirit. There is no male or female in the spirit. And this goes back to years ago, I was in a discussion. It, it goes back, and God told me to say this. It was a debate when the Baptists, and not to call anybody out, because I do think they went back to the, where women can preach, but at this time they made it a rule where women can't be preachers or teachers. And in some cases not be in leadership roles. And this goes back to walking in the spirit. How do we see things? Well, God said this through me, and it was it was powerful at the time. That I would rather follow a Holy Spirit filled woman than a private, prideful man. So someone who's for pride, someone who does not humble themselves under the word of God. Now, humbling ourselves is as simple as taking that scripture I just said about there is no male or female in the spirit. So we're supposed to walk in the spirit especially as leaders of the church, right? We're called to the fivefold ministry. That's powerful when we follow his lead. Not the world's lead, but God's lead. We're, we are sons and daughters. If we hear from the Holy Spirit, if we hear from Jesus Christ, if we accept his teachings, Jesus said this, learn from me. Three words, learn from me. So that's what we're doing today. We're going to look at his life as events, not as stories seen from a distance. So that's vital in our way of thinking. We're walking in the spirit now. We're, we're following God. We're following Jesus now. When we open that word, we learn from him. And Father, we thank you for revelation. You're revealing yourself more to us more to the body of Christ so we can come together just like your word says and have one mind over the body not multiple minds not multiple groups one mind it sounds impossible and I'm not saying everybody's going to get on board 
Does everybody does not follow the Holy Spirit? If they did, they would be there would be one mind lining up with Scripture. In many parts, many bodies. See, here's the thing: it did not say many thoughts, many teachings, because now we're separating the minds. Now there's too many minds in the body of Christ, rather than one mind. Let this mind be in you. That's the mind we need to follow. Jesus, the perfect example. Jesus points to the Father. When we see Jesus do something, we're seeing the Father do something. Okay? So, let's look at Scripture. Let's go to John 8, verses 1 through 11. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning, he came again into the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was called an adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanding us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him. Now they're not having godly intentions. It is not God's will to test someone. We see that in the book of James. James chapter 1, verse 13 through 15. Let no one say he is tempted. I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil. Nor does he himself tempt anyone. Okay? So we're seeing wrong motives already by some of the scribes and the Pharisees. Instead of doing what, what should be done is the love on this woman. They wanted to base it on the law and actions. And and yes, they might have been quoting scripture out of content or they didn't know the son as of yet. But the son was trying to teach them. And here's the thing. Jesus taught them a valuable lesson if they received it. Because this lesson is very important even to today's church. We don't want to go around throwing stones at people. We've heard these messages before, and it's a good message. Jesus and the Father decided to make an impact on this woman's life and share it throughout time. That's very important to understand that Jesus decided that this woman should be helped. No matter what the law might say, love fulfills the law. We notice this is scripture. These two commandments I give unto you. These two new commandments, matter of fact. Love God. Love others. And I'm paraphrasing. You can look it up. It's a very well-known scripture. And I believe a lot of us should know. It. But I want you to see it not only through the eyes of scripture, but I want you to see it through the eyes of what God intended. That this is an event in the life of Jesus Christ. The anointed one.
It was the father's will to stand up for this woman. But what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. Now, we know Satan is the accuser of the brethren, but people, and this is what I mean when I say fallen minds, they can be fallen to different degrees. You have, maybe they don't know the word of God. Maybe they're just touching God a little bit and they just came into the church and you know what? They took Jesus as their Lord and Savior and they're learning. Milk, the milk of the word, the meat of the word. But then there's those who make themselves enemies of God. This is a little bit different. And they're held to a higher standard. Because it says in the Bible, God warns not everyone should become teachers. Because they're held to a greater degree. This is especially the case when you have false teachers. and Or teachers that are trying to apply scripture, a part of scripture, without applying the rest of the Bible, which teaches us who God is, who Jesus is, and basically who love is. So fully, to fully understand love, we must know who God is. I believe that in all my heart, and there's scripture to back that up. We know God, we know love. Okay? Love reached out to this woman. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. Now check out the order of things here. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience one out, one by one, beginning with the oldest, the elders, even to the last. Now, I can't prove it in Scripture, but I can show you, and I believe that Jesus wrote Scripture out in the dirt. Because he was Scripture, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So I believe his focus right in the dirt wasn't to draw a line, it, it was drawing a line in Scripture, but I believe he was writing Scripture down. These words convicted them because they all knew they had sin in their lives. Being convicted by their conscience, one out, one by one, beginning with the oldest to even the last. And Jesus was left alone. The word was left alone. God's will was left alone. And the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, I love God. I love Jesus. because This is cool. This is cool. He said to her, woman, where are those accused? Accusers of yours. Has no one condemned you? Now, they, that, now, he knew what they were doing. They wanted to condemn this woman to death. But Jesus set things straight 
that you have sin in your life as well, and we should watch out and be mindful of this. Now, I'm not teaching for you to go out and sin willfully. Matter of fact, it's the opposite. I want you to see what the father did and the son did in this case. Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. Notice that again. How she addressed him. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Now this is the father who is holy, sanctified, set apart from the world. And this is Jesus who is sanctified, set apart from the world. To such a degree that the evil one touched them not. Remember scripture? Jesus, you know, some say it this way and I want to put it this way, but Jesus committed suicide because he had the power and the tools to overcome the enemy. And he said nothing. He was quiet for the most part because he needed to be the sacrifice. No one, Lord, she says, and Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Now, that's a good thing. That's a positive message right there. That's that's go and sin no more. And when we put that definition of not just adultery, but even expand it further, if she believed the right way, she would have never fell. Her mind would have never took her there. And so instead of adultery, she could have been honoring her husband. And her husband could have been honoring her. So this is what I want you to see. First, I, I don't want you to condemn the world. We need to love the world. Second, see the Father's hand in every single good thing. God is not the condemner. We see this in John 3, 16 through 17. He came to give eternal life. Now we know through scripture that people perish because of lack of knowledge. And I take it further because other scriptures point they don't know God in his true image. His true image is the Father. And Jesus said it this way, your words are truth. That's how we separate ourselves from the world, knowing who God is. And this is eternal life, that they may know you in his Son, our Father. Just like Jesus taught us how to pray. It wasn't my Father and you just stand in the dark somewhere. No, it's our Father because we know the will of the Father. And it's to pray that way, which is our Father. So a lot of us know this, but we're, we're seeing this and understanding it from a different perspective. So when we see people in sin, we're walking as Jesus did on this earth. We're not condemning them. He didn't go around. He said repent, and to be honest with you, I believe that was to the household of Israel. Repent, turn from your ways. 
who is everyone. God is no respecter of peoples when it comes to judgment and also the blessing. Now we know through scripture, Deuteronomy, that judgment came into the earth a certain way. I lay before you life and death. And we know he gave us free will. That free will is seen when Adam fell. That free will is even included when the angel decided to fall. Now, it's very important to realize that we are walking in this world similar to what Jesus did. He said it. Greater works you will do because I go to my Father. And I'll tell you this. If we have a relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we will go to our Father as well. And I know it. the Scripture really doesn't take that text that way, but that's what the Holy Spirit wanted me to tell. So I'm going to tell it. This is a relationship-based kingdom. And we have to understand that and see it through the eyes of a son. Jesus is not God incarnate. He's the son of God incarnate because he had to rely on the father. See, if he was God in himself, like some say, he didn't need the father. But Jesus' own words said, I need the father. I do nothing without him. And that's the same mentality we should have. The mind of Christ, right? The mind of the anointing. This is Jesus talking, right? So now we're lining our ways up with his ways. You know what? We're learning from him and how he operates. Remember I told you what he told me years ago? And that was, I'm not showing you how to live. I'm showing you how I live. This is how the father would have did operations on earth. Jesus So he, he, Jesus doesn't look at how long you've been reading your Bible because there's scripture that talks about that. You think you can find eternal life by looking at the scriptures. But he said to them, you won't find it. And remember what he told Nicodemus, you must be born again. You must come into the kingdom as a child, humble yourself. And remember scriptures, and this is what I'm saying. We're applying scripture throughout this teaching. And God is trying to show us something. This is how we renew our mind. Not by what a preacher says. But I want you to see it as words spoken by God. Because that's what he called me to do. And I'm not trying to edify myself. I'm trying to get you to see if my words are lining up with Jesus' words. And Jesus' words lines up with the Father's. We are seeing the Father's will. He wishes none to perish. That's the same mindset we need to have. God so loved the world. That's scripture. That's God speaking that. And we must make sure, even though it's in the Bible, it might not be accurate because it could be someone who didn't know God speaking it. That's why it's very vital to understand John 17 when Jesus said this. He said, I sanctify myself by truth. Your words are truth. Not Job's. It said, your words are true, Father. And the cool part of this, we see the relationship that Jesus had throughout. He won and prayed. Many were saved. He won and prayed. Compassion led him. Love led him to pray for people. 
So these events, see them as events, actual events that took place. And you know what? If you have the Holy Spirit and you're led by the Spirit, you're going to see the baby steps you take can lead to blessing someone. You could be in a specific place at a certain time and bless other people and bless yourself. Because when you look at it and you see it from God's perspective and you start being led by the Holy Spirit, things start to happen. Favor starts to happen. The works of the Father is being generated through us and around us. These signs will follow those who believe. That's that's the basics of Christianity. Lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. Not maybe. So even in our own lives, we have this authority and power, but without, how do we get to keep that in heaven? And it's right here in Scripture. The doing the small things. To, to, to us, as children of God, this is a huge thing. This is a huge event that took place. But it was God, basically, it was Jesus going from one place to another. Being led by the Holy Spirit. A perfect example of how our life should be, especially if we're in five-fold ministry. So we treat this woman who was found in sin with respect. And after he built a little relationship with her, don't you think that woman was like, wow, he stood up for me. That, that made her heart open up to him and where she could receive a word. Where's your condemners? I don't condemn you. And she agreed. No one, Lord. No, my, my accusers are not here. I have no, no one, my Lord. She agreed with the Lord and she agreed with Jesus. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. John 3, 16, 3, 17. He's acting like his father. You see this? Jesus is acting like his father. Because we see how the father acts and believes. God so loved the world. See? She was part of the world at that time, but then he came in and saved her and helped her. Not only in this life event, but she's free from sin because I believe she followed after God. Go and sin no more. That was his final message. And God doesn't want us to sin because it leads to death. He would rather us learn from Scripture, learn from his Son, have the Holy Spirit teach us truth, have the Holy Spirit comfort us. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Walk and talk with him. Conduct business like him. We know him. We know his son. And we're confident in the things of God. No more, Jesus said, no more do I call you slaves. No more. Because why? You know what the Father's doing. You know We know what he did. He paid the price. Jesus did. So, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. And in due time, he'll raise you up where? Seated in heavenly places. 
We're walking with him. We're acting like him, talking like him. That's basically what the father, father did everything through the son. That's how Jesus had a wonderful and powerful ministry. He prayed. He followed after father. How can I help you, father? This is my son, who I am well pleased. So scripture teaches us that all of creation waits for the day of the manifestation of sons and daughters. That we are the first fruits of what Jesus did. Many brethren, you know, through one man, death and sin entered, but through Jesus Christ, life and peace, right? Jesus said, I came to give you life and life abundantly. So that's the message of the cross. But we don't just stay at the cross or stay in the mud, I like to say, or we're not join heirs with what God is doing. But through the cross, through the word of God, we follow him through the resurrection where he sits down beside the Father and intercedes on our behalf. That's a powerful statement in itself. That the creator of this world framed everything wants us to sit at the Father's right hand as well. I have given you all authority to overcome all the works of the enemy. And that's where the rubber meets the road. Jesus said it to his father. I send him into the world. Just like you sent me into the world. See the example is being laid right in scripture. Right before our eyes. And the cool part is we can help people to that degree. I'm going to say this. Listen, listen to what I say. And I mean it. To the same degree Jesus helped people in his earthly ministry that we see in scripture, we can do greater works. So I want you to understand that. If we humble ourselves and love on the Father, not only try to receive from his hand, but actually love him. That's the first and great commandment is to love our Father. And there's a reason for that. So we can turn around and love our neighbor. And scripture teaches us that, you know what? Our neighbors are very important. It doesn't say to treat our neighbors with love if they're only Christian. Scripture teaches that especially the household of faith we should treat with kindness, right? And love and mercy. But it also says just the word neighbor. So your neighbor can be wicked. Do things to really tick you off. And sometimes we do get angry. I've done that in the past. But we should try to be mindful, conduct our way that Jesus conducted himself on earth. Even though people tried to test him, sometimes he did get frustrated. But for the most part, he spoke the word of God. He spoke the word of God. And that's how he overcame sin and death, speaking the word of God, living the word of God out. And that's the beautiful thing of this. And I tried to, and God really wanted me to put this, to really show you this in these scriptures, 
that it's living. He was living this out. He was living the word out. And that's what it means. And that's exactly what it means when it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among them. And this is the beautiful thing about the word of God. It becomes real. It's an event that took place. And we're seeing how the father would have treated this woman. And this is what we should do in every parts of our life. With every scripture, go to the word of God. Find out who the true image of God is. Because that's who we are in Christ. That's our image. Let us make man in our image. And if we don't know the true image of God, we're going to put on filthy rags and not look like him. I want to look like him. I want to act like him. That's that's. My father, man, I want to be just like my daddy, right? These signs will follow those who believe. I want to lay hands on the sick and they recover. We do. You understand? It's not an if. We're connected to the true vine, so we are going to bear fruit. So we know who the true, true vine is. We learn that through John 15. Praise God. The word of God is the true vine. And the, the wonderful part of it, if we follow scripture even further to John 17, we are in Christ. We are in the anointing. We have the anointing on us. And you know what? Also the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we are one with just in the same way that Jesus was in the Father and the Father was in Jesus. When you see the Jesus' actions, he was the Father. In a degree of, he was the father's image. He was in the likeness of his father. So he was conducting business on a heavenly level. So we treat the world with love. And we can see what a falling world can do to good people. And there, there are lines to be drawn. I'm not saying to be a pacifist and not to believe in defending yourself. I believe in the Second Amendment. I believe in the right to bear arms. But on the other hand, our weapons are not carnal. Our weapons are spiritual. So we can pray. Our prayers have power because we come as children. Because that's how Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father implies that we are his children and that's something instead of begging god we are joint heirs with god and his son see and that's the thing when we're joint heirs with christ when we're joint heirs with the anointing we become and have that authority so i come in the name of the father in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son, the Anointed One. So, live it. Breathe it. And when we get into the situation where we might be dealing with someone that might be in sin, they might be in the world, you know what? Rest in knowing God has your back. Love. Love like him. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus.
Thank you for listening.